Hello and welcome to episode number 255 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good man, pretty good. We are back again, back with some uh, on-demand releases that are pretty interesting um, yeah. in the coming yeah. weeks. Um, it's been Netflix great. was a thing in the last 18 months, eh? <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm over it now. <laughs> like, I, I've had those moments, I've been pissed off, but I'm just happy that it's like, it's the norm that there's plenty of shit to talk about, new stuff. Um, yeah. Because it was weird, right? Like, it all kicked off with the return of cinema with Spiral. And that was almost like the sacrifice that we had to make to get our film industry back. Where we were like, okay, we get the, listen, there's going to be a new Saw movie. It's going to fucking suck. Let's all just get through it together collectively. And then it's pretty much since then, like, obviously the, the, the quality always varies. But, like, we've consistently seen a lot of really cool movies in the last two months. Um, Everyone was just like, shit, our movie's better than that. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't hard, but like, um, but we've actually had yeah a bunch of great, awesome new horror movies, and obviously we've been out of the cinema for a little bit. Um, we've got that to look forward to though in July, and we'll talk about that a bit oh, more yeah. at the end of the uh, show. But we have got this new trilogy kicking off um, on Netflix, which we'll get to shortly. But yeah, there's a couple of news items this week, not too much. Um, first of all, new trailer to talk about. Um, we obviously it was at the Halloween Kills one last week, and then um, mm-hmm. yeah, we were already teasing that we already knew this one was around the corner. The first trailer for Don't Breathe Two. Um, that's right, they made a sequel. Um, they did. So what what did you make of this one? It's a pretty long trailer, a lot in it. <laughs> really goddamn long. Um, mm. Well, I don't especially for know a movie that's out in a month. <laughs> against popular opinion, but like this was one of. Um, you know, our favorite movies that we've probably ever done for the podcast, you know, it was movie of the year. Um, you know, it was a great movie for the podcast. And it's always been one that I've said for a kind of, you know, such a long time, there's just no need for a sequel. It's such a standalone thing. And we had this earlier with quiet place and kind of when the announcement got made and kind of everyone got kind of back on track and we, we started to see stuff. You could start to see that it was coming together. I've never felt this way about Don't Breathe 2. And um, watching the trailer, it just kind of, it felt like exactly what I what I thought it was, feared it was going to be, where it's just this kind of forced sequelization out of something that I just don't need. We've kind of got the blind man back. We've got this girl. We've got this weird kind of training scene with her. And then we kind of get to the crux of the movie and what he's going to be doing. And I'm like yeah he's cool like i see i see the i see the blind man i'm like yeah i like him because i like the movie he was in but then like as this trailer unpacked i was like oh i just don't know like this could be fine like but but i just i just don't feel the need for it like having watched it hmm um, yeah, yeah. I, I sadly agree. Like, I, I remember when this first got announced, we were like, this movie does not need a sequel. Um, mm. And then kind of hearing about where they were going with it, I was like, man, that's a stretch. Um, yeah. And then having seen this trailer, this trailer is awful. Like, it's a complete yeah. and utter convoluted mess. Um, and you, you hit the nail on the head where it is a complete and utter forced kind of franchisation of this character, mm. where this is not what this character was in the first movie this is purely a oh my god we just got ourselves a hit on our hands how on earth do we take this in a new direction going forward um Mm. and i'm not on board with it i think it looks terrible um the one thing i want to pick up on 
before we continue to talk about it is so fede alvarez um obviously not the director of the sequel but still heavily involved was tweeting about this and because there was a lot of confusion obviously with the blind man and his situation in this movie seems very different to the situation in the first movie Mm. um he said um quote no he's not a hero in this one not even an anti-hero he's an anti-villain um to which a lot of people including myself were like what the hell is an anti-villain um he then he then followed that up by saying anti-villain it's a screenwriting term to describe a villain that's convinced he's not one but but Mm -hmm. but we agree he definitely is and (laughs) i i just think this goes in line with what we're saying where this is such a confusing film and the fact Mm -hmm. that he's already having to get out there and tweet about it um is a problem um and almost describe to us what an anti-villain is yeah and kind of defend what's happening in the trailer and and then he's i listen i get it because it's it's tough when you're when you work on these things that look like they're going a certain way but it bombs me out tremendously mm-hmm. i think like we said this this never needed a sequel in a million years and similar with a quiet place i felt the exact same way about that movie and then they completely shocked me to the mm-hmm. point that i thoroughly enjoyed the sequel and now i desperately want a part three um so who knows this could go that way but like this trailer looks bad, um, and I think, especially with Fede as well, I'm just, I'm so disappointed with what's happened to him post, mm. I guess, Don't Breathe, is like, it was, because he was the one, like, when we started the podcast in 2016, he was already coming off the back he of was, Evil Dead. He was, like, um, the first guy that we were getting behind in our, kind of, you know, our podcast era. Mm. You know? Yeah, like has the new horror auteurs that are going to be mm. the next Carpenter, the next Craven, the next Cronenberg. And it's like we've seen the Ariasters of this world and the Jordan Peels really take that mantle strongly. Mm. And what's Fede done? Well, he made a terrible movie that no one saw um, in The Girl on the Spider's Web. And then he's being attached to a million different projects. He's the producer on the new Chainsaw Massacre that looks dreadful. He's now like a producer on, on the, a sequel to his movie. And it's like... I just don't know what you're doing, Fede, man. I wish, like, someone would talk to you and, like, and, and just get you back on track as a director because I think you're so unbelievably talented. Mm-hmm. But right now he's being stretched so thin across so many poor projects that he just shouldn't be involved with. Um, I know this is, like, extremely harsh criticism for just a trailer, but this is something that's been boiling for, like, years now, I think. Yeah. Um, I and think this is just he- the catalyst for it. You know, the trailer just was so bad, though it was so convoluted for me that, like, we know what happens in Don't Breathe. Mm. We know who the blind man is at the end of Don't Breathe. He is a very different character than at the beginning of Don't Breathe. Um, so we get into this movie, and, and they were trying to give us that reveal in the trailer that, like, oh, he's not who we think he is with this girl. I'm like, no shit. Like, and it just, just like everything about it felt, felt, absolutely forced and just yeah like i said i I really don't want to be too harsh on it but i can't help it because when it's a movie that you really like and i think kind of um you know when it's so original and it just doesn't just you know doesn't need it and we've kind of you know we've had it quite a few times now for the podcast that we are getting back into this realm of these four sequels and kind of things that are you know a quiet place two was always going to get made um regardless of whether it was going to be good or not and and i'm just thankful that like you know we got we've had we have some wins but you know even stuff like you know happy death day to you like Mm. you know that sticks out as something where i'm like that was such an original cool idea did we did we need a sequel to it no was the sequel terrible 
no, like it was fine, but your first movie was incredible. Mm. And it's just like, you know, I don't want this dip in quality. Uh, you know, I, I want the original IP or I want the sequels to be worthy. Um, and yeah, I just don't see that this time. And that's a good comparison as well, because like, I do think we don't look back on Happy Death Day as fondly because of the sequel. And like mm. you say, the sequel isn't a piece of shit. It's like a, de- a decent to maybe good movie. But the, like you say, the drop off in quality is so steep that it's hard to kind of remember that the first movie is like a bonafide modern day classic. Um, yeah. And I do think, yeah, don't breathe. I would put in that same bracket. And it's just a sh- like seeing this character already just in the trailer is yeah. like disappointing. Like the same character. No, let alone seeing this for two hours. And one thing also I wanted to mention as well is like with the confusion of this character. And it's funny because I saw a lot of kind of Twitter, you know, discourse around surrounding this trailer and this character and how seemingly they seem to have positioned him differently. Um, someone said like, oh, well, how is he even the villain? Didn't the people break into his house in the first movie? <laughs> and someone replied saying, my guy, you didn't even watch the film, did you? You just saw the trailer. <laughs> and I was like, this this, this sequel feels like it's made for people that saw the trailer for yeah, Don't Breathe and didn't sure. actually watch the movie because you're forgetting, like, spoiler alert for Don't Breathe, which is five years old. Like, the guy's a serial rapist. <laughs> like, he's not the hero. Um, and I get what Fede was just saying, that quote that I said about being an anti-villain or whatever, but watching this trailer he is and, th- and they are going the classic yeah, route of like guy's, guy's a villain i don't care what he thinks he's a villain yeah but also their position in him where we, we basically we seemingly getting completely irredeemable people this time attacking him whereas i don't think they'll be like the nuanced characters that we got in the first movie who actually had like legit motivations for what they were doing regardless of you know obviously being criminals but then also he's just straight up looking after this random little girl and it's just that classic mm. trope that we've seen so much in the last eight years i'm not going to bring up the thing that i always bring up but like because it's happened in loads of things but like it's that is such the easy trope in like every zombie movie now or whatever they'll always just introduce a child character introduce that kind of mimicking that father-daughter relationship and it's just it's so easy mm-hmm. to do um and I, I i just laughed like i know we'd already heard about the plot synopsis so i was expecting it but seeing it in the trailer mm-hmm. and how almost like cringy it is how basic and like you say forced that is the key word like Mm -hmm. everything about this trailer is forced um so but yeah it listen it's disappointing hopefully the movie's great um this is only a dissection (laughs) of the trailer not the movie again maybe maybe this is great and maybe last night in soho was trash i highly doubt that um based upon those two trailers but we shall see um we got very salty very quick about that trailer didn't we yes um (laughs) But yeah, moving on. And then this one, actually, God, some great news this week. Another one to piss us off. Um, (laughs) So this is great. I'm not going to lie. This is great if you don't live in the UK. Um, (laughs) So it's a bit of a 4K Blu-ray announcement. And I had to put this in here because it's it's such a great one. But it is, yeah, sadly not going to affect us because it is courtesy of Shout Factory slash Scream Factory, who are definitely the company who do the best stuff that doesn't come to uk shores um obviously the friday the 13th box set and like recent stuff like 13 ghosts and i think creep show and a few others there's been so many that i want to check out um 
but they are bringing uh, the first five Halloween movies to 4K this year. Um, so I didn't even realize this initially. I only saw Season of the Witch and I was losing my mind because I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, Season of the Witch, 4K, like, that's so hype. That's and right. then and then I saw, like, oh, yeah, they're doing the other four. I was like, well, that's cool, I guess, if you want to see those movies. I know for most people that's what they'll care about. But, yeah, I was like, man, I would kill for, like, a Season of the Witch 4K. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, Halloween 4 and 5. I love those mm. two. Yeah, like this is uh, that's what's great about this, right? Yeah, like, I, just obviously, wish, I just wish they'd put H two O in there. Well, and we could actually, you know, watch these. Um, but well, uh, well, yeah, there is, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, these are all coming in September. So just around the corner. So, this is awesome. Is this a box set though of them all? No, it's I, I, I don't know like, if they're offering yeah, a box set as well. Uh, well, but, it'd be um, filthy because it's just. I mean that that would be. I wouldn't want to touch that. Mm. Like uh, a five movie. Ha- like, I don't even know what you put out for Halloween right now. Well, like, I was going to say, that's why it's... Like, where, do you, where do you draw the line? Cause it's, yeah, the fact that it is just five movies, I think... Yeah. Would you want just one through five? I mean, I guess, but, like, I, I think, think it is... Like the, I think it's cooler the, that it's individual. The the Halloween box that I would want is probably just one to six, like, mm. for those, because I don't want... Um, I don't want the... What the hell is it called after... Rev, what's it, the hell's don't it called after... H2O. Oh, a resurrection. Resurrection, thank you. Yeah. I was like, resolution? Something like resurrection. <laughs> I don't want resurrection. I I want Rob Zombie's Halloween. I don't want Halloween 2. <laughs> you know, so it's like... I want a trilogy and... box set of Halloween 1978, <laughs> Season yeah. of the Witch, and Rob Zombie's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I want to watch. <laughs> oh, dear. That's, that's yeah. my Halloween trilogy. I might, oh, I might watch that as a trilogy this Halloween. That'd be sick. That'd be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be. Um, just to, like, Season of the Witch is a little buffer in the middle, but I want to... Man, this, there's just so many of these amazing Blu-rays now, and it is just mm-hmm. getting to the point of, like, man, like have a playstation 5 for christ's sake like why can't that play like multi-region 4ks at this yeah, point I know. like yeah it, it costs enough could, but you're just gonna break it yeah That's i don't want to do that um yeah. but yeah so this is awesome news outside of the fact that it makes us very salty so um hopefully hmm. people will enjoy these ones um but yeah that is it for the news this week shall we talk about this week's film do it let's talk about fear street part one 1994 So yeah, we kind of, I guess, gave a little bit of a backstory to this one um, last week, but mm-hmm. we probably should do it again. Obviously, this is a, tri- if you don't know anything about this, this is a trilogy of movies um, coming to mm-hmm. Netflix exclusively over the next few weeks. Um, so this one came out July 2nd, the past Friday, and then obviously the next two parts are the next two consecutive Fridays, um, which is an awesome way to do it, regardless of, of how this pans out um but yeah i've always like because fair street is something that is literally featured in our news for years um you know like they've tried to get live action stuff off the ground before again for people that don't know fair street is a series of books um written by rl stein obviously most notably for goosebumps and obviously that's had so many iterations cartoons tv show films it's now getting a new tv show apparently which i'm very excited for Mm. um and and then fair street is something that i'm not as familiar with i've not read any of the books or anything like that and it's been kind of told to me, um, or you know, through reading it up, that it, it was catered a slightly more adult audience. Yeah. Is that correct? It was a team. Yeah, I yeah. As I said last week, I read quite a few of the books. Um, I and I think 
when I was young, I transitioned to them too early. I remember kind of mm. reading the books. And like, yeah, I'm going to go back to Goosebumps. These are a bit too real. <laughs> um, you know, real actual murders and, and you know, real kind of crime and that sort of stuff as opposed to a killer sponge. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, but then I did, I did eventually transition back to them and kind of, um, yeah, I enjoyed them quite a bit. Um, I, it's a weird one, really, with with Goosebumps because they were so zany and wacky. I have such memories of all of the different kind of, um, you know, books and and everything else. Whereas with with Fear Street, I kind of remember moments and I remember enjoying reading quite a few, but I don't remember kind of that many specific stories. Kind of, you know, twenty plus years removed from it. Mm. It is funny with Fear Street that kind of like it's something that I haven't really encountered because in some ways it is almost like a dream of mine where it's like, mm. oh, it's Goosebumps, but it's more adult oriented because yeah, I, I I'm a diehard Goosebumps fan. I absolutely love it. It's it, this, the amount of nostalgia I get from anything Goosebumps, both the books and the TV show is mm-hmm. is stunning to me. And as someone who literally rewatched the entire TV show not that long ago, like it's so fun and I, I genuinely love it because it just puts me back to watching these as a kid and you know, I was watching that and I was watching the hardcore horror films as well. And they really have kind of shaped my love of horror. And so, yeah, this was something that I was low-key excited for and not really knowing about what the story was or anything like that. But as we'd speculated last week, kind of seeing the the structure of this, where each part of the trilogy has a different year attached to it. Mm. Um, and obviously the first two pretty much jump out for horror fans. Obviously with this one that we're about to discuss being 1994. Um, yeah, we had speculated, is this going to be a slasher movie? Is this going to be like a whodunit type situation? Um, so I was really excited to check this one out. So what is this movie actually about? So just before we go into that, have you Mm -hmm. done any research on, um, what book this was based off if this no. was based off a specific book or anything? Cause, cause yeah, I don't know if you can have a little look while I'm talking because I, Mm. I didn't do that because I wanted to. I was scared to look at anything until I've seen it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because I didn't want to get spoilers for it. But, um, uh, cause I would be interesting, interested to know kind of, does this kind of relate to a specific, um, book in fear street? Um, because I didn't, there wasn't really anything in there for me that I found familiar, but mm. after watching this, but I'm not surprised that I didn't like having watched this movie now, I wouldn't have said, yes, that's fear street. You know, I, I, you know, I'm judging this basically just as a standalone movie. Um, yeah, I'll try and do a bit more research. But even when you look at the official credits, obviously mm. it's an it's an it's an original screenplay and story, and then it just says based on Fear Street by R.L. Stein. So it's a very vague term. Yeah, so I don't know whether it's just like you know roads names and you know the fact mm. that it is based there and that sort of stuff. But e- either way, yeah, you know, like Shady Side. I, I have a funny feeling that maybe a lot of the stuff was in Shady Side, and maybe the Shady Side Sunny Side is part. You know, the, the right the that makes sense. Yeah. stuff um shady side really rang a bell with me but then it is a, quite a generic name as well yeah um, but anyway yeah so the fair street part one 1994 is um where yeah basically we join kind of these teenagers from shady side and they are kind of um living in the shadow of their neighbor in town sunnyside and kind of um everything that bad happens in this area happens in shady side and kind of we encounter these teens as there's a series of kind of brutal murders and we kind of 
unearth the past of shady side that there are a trail of murders throughout its entire history and um our teens are kind of whilst trying to survive the current murders are trying to kind of unearth this history and figure out kind of what is happening and and can they kind of lift this apparent curse that's on their town basically Mm. um and uh it's you know we touched upon it kind of in speculation that that yeah and and you did at the beginning of the show that like does the date 1994 mean anything in terms of horror we we know a certain franchise that may have begun during that time (laughs) um and yeah the opening of this movie kind of straight away is like yeah we're we're pretty much doing a you know our our homage to scream in in a shopping mall um we're having a we're having a killer in a mask we're having phone calls we're having a cat and mouse and um and 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 yeah kind of you know it, it starts off very much that way um and then you know like that movie, the, the opening of this of, of this movie could have easily been the opening of the new Scream movie. <laughs> really um, good. And, 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 you know, I wouldn't have had any complaints. Mm. Um, and then the movie does, um, you know, transition more into this rival towns and kind of, you know, killers that are going around and more of a curse on the town and kind of going from there. But we still get a, a lot of slasher in this. Um, but But, yeah, I think... That's uh, I'm I'm starting to kind of bleed into my thoughts on it probably so so yeah that's that's pretty much the synopsis of it. Um, I guess you really didn't find anything on on the book. <clears throat> yeah, so it's um, basically no. It, I don't think it is centered on a single mm. book. Um, it, there's a quote here from kind of the the I think it's the writer and director who says they're not really based concretely on the book. Mostly, I think I would endeavor to stay true to the spirits of the book, which is kind of subversive and edgy for teenage readers. There's violence, there's blood, there's hints of sex, and that for me and for me they're just a lot of fun. Um, that was the kind of thing. Every decision we made with the movies or with the scenes was like, how fun can this be? How can we make this more of that? Horror in the past decade or so, it's just a different type of fun, I guess. So I was interested in revisiting the fun of those 90s slasher movies and 70s slashers, just keeping it crazy. Um, And then also, like, there is a a Fear Street saga of books, which is a trilogy of books. That's kind of where they got that idea from as well. But yeah, other than that, it seems like this is a completely, like, original story. Yeah, makes sense. Makes Mm. sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, what did, what do you think of this one? Um, yeah, this was like a real surprise, I have to say, because yeah, like I was excited for it for, for like the, the reasons that we'd mentioned, but obviously they could go so many different ways and having obviously now even talking about it literally just then of the origins of this, like this is basically a new thing, right? Like it's, yeah. it is weird to even talk about R.L. Stein and Goosebumps because, you know, th- I get that there's the DNA and they're kind of aping a certain style and, and that's the objective. Um, but this is just a brand new film in, as far as I'm concerned. And um, yeah, that opening scene was incredible. Like I absolutely loved it. And I think like, as soon as it kind of started with my Hawk, you were already expecting like, mm-hmm. oh, are they really going to like Drew Barrymore this? Um, <laughs> and it was great. I would say it took a little bit of getting used to um, because the main difference there is like, and again, this is kind of it's going to be a strange thing, I guess, because I'm sure you could have said the same thing in 94. But like this, it felt like, well, Maya Hawke is by far the most famous person in this film. Mm-hmm. And then like the second she goes, you kind of like left with other people and you're like, ah, oh, who are these people? I don't really know them. Um, but again, I, I mm-hmm. guess you could yeah. say that for Scream. Um, you definitely could. 
Yeah, but either way, that's besides the point because I did think the cast was really good, um, which I'll get into. But yeah, I loved the opening scene. And then what I really loved was kind of when we first go to the school and we're introduced to the characters and they have like their little meeting in the bathroom stalls and they're kind of like explaining the graffiti. I loved all that stuff because, like you say, it just re- it felt so scream to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I was like, please let there be a bit where someone runs yeah. through the court, the hallways, like mocking the murder. And that is exactly what happened. And that was the moment where I was like, this is fucking great. And mm-hmm. I was with you where the first 20 minutes of the movie, I was like, if next year's scream is like this level of quality, I'll be happy yeah. um, because this is capturing that exact same energy of scream for me, um, but just like a new take on it. And so that was great. And then obviously it very quickly veers away from that um, because this isn't a whodunit. Like that's the mm-hmm. biggest difference. Um, and that's kind of, I, I was expecting a whodunit, especially mm-hmm. that I had kind of talked about thinking it was going to be like a scream movie. Then the very obvious homage early on um but then it, it very quickly goes away and we are introduced to the more kind of supernatural elements of the movie um but i found it all really great like i loved the story of this film i should say as well pulling it back so after the opening scene we then get the opening title sequence um which i thought was awesome because it was kind of like it was telling us what was happening right now but then it was also teasing a glimpses lot. yeah, yeah which i thought was super cool because obviously i already know like the years that the next two movies are Mm -hmm. set and so seeing those glimpses and i also love that there was a bunch of stuff happening in in years that i weren't expecting you know like they're showing stuff in the 50s and they're showing stuff in the 80s and i'm like okay they're showing like where there's this whole law of of stuff happening in this town which is a very Mm -hmm. kind of stephen king thing um more than like i'd say an rl stein thing where it's kind of mm. like has this you know it's it's it isn't it it's like has this yeah. shit whole place this like cursed essentially and yeah. there's just bad things have constantly happened and i and i love that as a story mm. um especially when it's kind of like young adults facing that oh that yeah that's pure stephen king that is definitely so i i loved that and all the teasers and then yeah pretty much when we're going through it like had an absolute blast with this movie i would say like there's a couple of lols and it's this is a quite a long film for what it is like it's part one of a trilogy that's going to be happening over the next few weeks um and it's like an hour and 45 minutes and i was like man that's a choice um because you know this could easily been 75 80 minutes and it would have run at a brisk pace and i would immediately wanted part two whereas i still want to watch part two because overall i thought this was a fantastic film um but it did drag a couple of times Mm -hmm. um but i thought yeah they nailed a lot of the characterization i thought like all of the cast was really good like when it first started i wasn't again because of the my hawk thing it's great but it is a little bit off-putting to be like here's this person who was great in netflix um she's also been in the news a lot recently with this kill bill stuff which is quite interesting and Mm -hmm. so it was like weird timing um and then i'm introduced to people who i'm not really familiar with like the the kid um, was the kid from Woman in the Window, which was pretty funny. Yeah. But like, other than that, he, like, I didn't, I don't know anyone else. I didn't know the the two female leads or her brother. Um, pretty much that they're like the main f- and and the um the sister of the boy as well. So it's kind of mm. like I didn't know any of those, and I thought they were all great. Like there were mm-hmm. there was really funny bits. There was some like real good emotional beats in this movie as well. Um, there's like a swerve early on, which is such a good little swerve. Um, because they're kind of like setting up this like ex partner character character of sam yeah Um, that was great yeah and it was just again it was basic but it worked and it happened early enough along where i was like oh that's cool but like are you gonna do anything with that and it was like it was like that their relationship i thought was just really well done throughout the whole movie it didn't feel like forced or anything like that and i some of the stuff is sped up a little bit because 
you have to get to those emotional beats quickly um mm-hmm. but overall yeah really liked the movie the violence was great as well in particular like it's hard with that we'll go into it a little bit more i think because like, i think we might have to talk spoilers because i want to talk about some stuff towards the end um yeah but overall yeah i had a blast with this movie like as part one of a trilogy <clears throat> it was great i definitely want to watch more and i'm very excited for next week now so it yeah. pretty much yeah this was a surprise i was not expecting to like this as much as i did yeah, I, I pretty much mirror what, you, what you've what you said. That uh, Yeah, I was shocked by how much I liked this movie. Um, you know, I ended up kind of putting it on, thinking I'm going to put it on for a little bit and, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, everything that we spoke about. And then the opening scene happened and I was blown away by the opening scene. I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. You know, I think kind of... Um, Obviously, having Maya Hawke in that opening scene was fantastic. It, it really just is the Drew Barrymore from Scream. You know, mm. it's it's an incredibly strong scene. The the cat and mouse between her and the killer is fantastic. the The ending of that scene was brutal. the The violence made me feel uncomfortable in that opening scene, um, as did the Drew Barrymore scene in the original Scream, because it's just not this one thing it's a real fight you know it's a real fight and a real struggle to the death and and i really felt it and really thought that was fantastic and kind of when that happened and then we got that banging smash card of all the different eras and all these cool little vignettes and everything i was just completely like on it you know there was nothing distracting me then i was completely into this movie and um I think kind of when it then opens up on on unfamiliar faces, um, to me, the characters captured me instantly. I instantly loved Dina. Um, I loved her brother and his kind of underground web chat that he's in. (laughs) And then kind of her friends were all great. And then as soon as we got introduced to who Sam was, I loved their relationship. And I thought their relationship throughout the whole movie was so kind of you know you just felt it all the way through it and and kind of um you know was really rooting for them uh to to kind of just find it again and um yeah i thought we got some really you know really good scenes throughout i really wasn't bored i think kind of when you know when i get into the criticisms of the movie i do think that the the kind of middle part was pretty much unnecessary having now Mm. seen the movie when I was in it, I was enjoying it, but then kind of, yeah, basically the whole scene when they go to the school at night yeah. is just, just not needed for the movie. It, it's there for 20 minutes of filler. And ultimately, it doesn't really give us much in the way of, of, of actual horror. It doesn't give us really that much in the way of story development. Um, and, and, and yeah, really does, does add to, to the running time, having now seen this. And I think, like, if I watch this movie again that will really drag that scene. But but in the first viewing and having just watched it, I was fine in the moment. I was still really enjoying the characters, really enjoying the movie. But it was just kind of once I actually, when we got to the actual finale of the movie that's in a, in a, in a, a supermarket, I was like, my God, this finale is like a million miles an hour and going crazy. And like the 20 minutes that we just had in the school were just so slow. Mm. And, um, they they really did kind of um you know rub against each other those two um but like i said you know i can't i i don't think i can criticize it too much because i just wasn't i wasn't bored in the 20 minutes it was only 
after I had it that I was kind of like, oh, that was that was kind of a bit pointless that whole bit. Um, but but yeah, I really love the world they built. I think kind of I loved the sunny side and shady side rivalry. I loved um, all of these characters. Um, I think kind of as the movie ends and we kind of get like a glimpse of what the next movie's going to be. Like I'm pumped to move forwards with the story and I'm pumped to move backwards with the story as well. Mm. And like, I, and I want them to continue both um, because yeah, I can't wait to see the, the camp crystal Lake kind of side of things. And I yeah. can't wait to see the continuation of Dina's story and kind of um, everything that's gone on there as well. So, so yeah, like, for me, this was nothing but a, a win and, 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 and yeah, just a great addition to Netflix and, and can't wait for, for part two. Definitely, because I think w- with Netflix, this is kind of like it's so hard to gauge what type of film it's going to be because mm. they, they obviously specialize in these kind of like young adult type content, whether mm. it be with films or TV shows. And like they vary so much where like some like obviously you have to put Stranger Things in that category as well, which is one of our favorite yeah. things. But then there is other stuff where it's like I remember trying to watch the Sabrina reimagining and just mm. couldn't get into it at all. And some other stuff as well where it's like, man, the quality of this is just I don't know what, what's going to happen next whereas this is like so strong and i think especially comparing it on their film front this is like up there with some of the Mm -hmm. at least my favorite stuff we've seen on netflix um especially in that subgenre of young adult stuff where i think the tv stuff is is better handled mostly whereas some of their film stuff you know like those um uh the babysitter the movies babysitter are fun ones, yeah. yeah yeah like they're decent they're, they're probably the best but like i i think this is a lot better than those two movies yeah i and agree I, what, what i was thinking about with this movie and again it doesn't really well it doesn't matter at all actually but it was funny because <laughs> freaky just came out like in the uk yeah. after like nine months after we covered it and i was thinking to myself like they're pretty similar i was like which one did i prefer out of the two mm. and i was like I, I think i'd go with this one just like it's i thought freaky was funnier um but i preferred i definitely preferred the story of this one and like the overall story freaky had a better trailer <laughs> oh yeah definitely had a better trailer um, <laughs> um yeah no i i agree like you know because this one's just got such a good world and such a good mm. potential you know knowing now we've got a trilogy you know, if if you said to me after the end of this movie and the end of Freaky, like there there are two more movies to watch of this franchise, I want to watch two more movies of Fair Street more because I think you know the world they've built and everything else they've they've earned that right to, to say next Friday you're going to be watching and I, and I will be. Yeah, well, and talking about that as well, like it is quite bizarre having just now read about it, and it, obviously I could be wrong, but like if this isn't the actual story. Um, which we haven't really gone into too much for fear of spoilers. I think we will get a bit more spoilery in, you know, shortly. Um, mm. But kind of like the, the story and the history of the killers in this location, like that is so strong. And if that is just like all original stuff that they've made for this movie, I'm pretty blown away by that because it definitely has that feeling of a book adaptation, doesn't it? Of mm. like, here's all of this content that we're just trying to cram into this movie. And oh, here's all this backstory of this killer in the 50s that you're only going to see for 30 seconds on screen. And like all of this material where i'm like man slow down like yeah. have this as a mini series and do an episode on each of these killers because they're really fascinating and that was one of the things like a 13 ghosts like <laughs> yeah. you know, montage that was one of the things i loved the most is like i i rate my slashers very highly on how much i think the killers are awesome and i thought the the killers were so cool in this like i was so happy when it was just like skull man like skeleton Mm -hmm. guy because i loved that again it's basic but it it was 
you know it was similarish to kind of horn in its quality and just it worked for me and i was like man yeah. it's surprising that hasn't been overdone to death at this point as like a killer concept um and especially ha- seeing that character kind of unmasked immediately i thought was super cool as well and just kind of added yeah. to his like lore and his like intrigue but then we get like the the kind of creepy girl character later on is also really cool yeah, and brilliant. really sinister and then we get like the the kind of classic like friday the 13th part two killer who's just like straight up running at people with an axe i love which I found, so much yeah he, like he that was awesome straight up charges people yeah and like that's i love that because that was like one of my favorite things about the remake of friday the 13th where they really captured the energy of jason just fucking running at people full length Mm. and that was always the funny thing obviously about halloween of like he's just doing the slow walk towards you and you can like dude i can just like jog away um but uh yeah so i i just thought they nailed the look of the killers um the way they worked in the story was fantastic as well um and yeah i want to get more into the story i guess I really, which is slightly um, more spoilery i really do miss the the like the fact that you know we've had we had the slow zombies and we had mm. running zombies we've we've never really had like this breadth of movies of running serial killers because i no. do think it's great you know obviously like scream does it yeah um you know and we get it in like the early friday the 13th but yeah i really do you know, I really do love that. So it's cool that you get that. And like you said, um, just just my thoughts on the killers is that yeah, I thought they were all really good as well. I think you know, like like you said, they they were all unique. They were all really enjoyable. The the female character was brilliant in it. She reminded me of Sexhead from um, Thirty One. <laughs> yeah, and um, I thought she was great. I thought <clears throat> yeah, the Skull Guy was great. I loved kind of the fact that they just come in from all angles and it's just kind of carnage. And mm. I think, I think kind of, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll continue that thought when we put up the spoiler warning, because it starts to go a little bit spoilery. So we yeah. probably have to put up a spoiler warning. Um, yeah, I guess like going to recommendations. Yeah, I would like to get there a bit quicker than usual, because like I say, it's mm. on Netflix, um, and mm. we're obviously being extremely positive about it. So yeah, as far as recommendations go, phew, highly recommend this. Like, in terms mm-hmm. of Netflix stuff, it's about as strong a recommend- recommendation I could give. Like, it's... Um, it seems to be quite positively received like i'm seeing a lot of good stuff mm. but then it is a few little negative stuff but um i don't know man as someone who watches a lot of movies i thought they nailed most of what they needed to do like yes there is a couple of things in here and it does drag a little bit but i thought visually it was great um the, the lore and the story is awesome the performances are fantastic and the fact that we're even saying you know like it does capture that scream energy as a modern day thing i think is they deserve all the credit in the world for that um and i haven't even talked about the end in either which we're obviously now about to get to but like i went on a fucking roller coaster ride in this ending like it had to be in the palm of my hand and that's when i knew i was like really like this movie because i was going on a journey during the final scenes where i was like man i'm like super invested way more than i thought i was gonna be Um, i was devastated at the time like multiple points during that ending but but yeah going into my thoughts on it yeah i'm i'm the same that you know this is a no-brainer for netflix you need to watch this now to get ready for part two Mm. um but yeah, like you said, we watch all horror, you know, streaming, uh, on subscriptions, on, you know, in the cinema, you know, Blu-rays, whatever we can get our hands on, we watch new horror. And this hangs with everything, you know, and, and yeah, the fact that we are giving it the tip of the hat to say that if this was a Scream sequel, we would accept that opening scene is the highest praise we could give a movie. It's the highest praise I can give a movie mm-hmm. to say that that felt like a Scream movie. Because for me, Scream is the pinnacle. 
and and so yeah i i think this movie kind of you know pretty much nailed it across the board it wasn't the scream level throughout don't get me wrong it, it's not that throughout but it, it, it's still a really good show in and and yeah for me like you say that there's not anything that's that negative it's extremely well acted it's got an incredible script it looks great it has real great horror when we get the horror um so yeah you know there's just a little bit of the time where where we get that school scene is probably the biggest negative i would have towards it but other than that yeah you should definitely see it for sure um so yeah i guess uh, full spoiler alert now for part Mm. one um so i was just going to briefly before you go into kind of the end spoiler the bit mm. i was going to touch upon was that yeah with the spoilers in mind now that the the school scene and kind of a big chunk of this movie we don't really get any kills yeah. And we don't and, and the opening scene was so violent and that kill was so, you know, like I say, it really got me because it was a real fight and a struggle, you know, kind of um as that as that scene is unplaying, we kind of, you know, like like um uh like you said, you didn't you didn't expect kind of uh Maya Hawk to be in the whole movie. Um and kind of but seeing her struggle and seeing her slowly kind of get taken out by this killer was really brutal. I thought really brutal and mm. kind of um, was hoping would set the tone for the movie. And then we really don't get it for a long point. And obviously we get the plot development that, that the killers are ultimately not after anyone other than Sam and kind of the other people are just kind of getting in the way or have Sam's blood seems to get around quite a bit. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, um, it makes sense for the plot, but it but it gives me less of a fun viewing experience when I want to watch a slasher with a body count. Mm. So yeah, when I got beyond the school scene and we got to the mall, or the, sorry, the supermarket with all the characters pretty much still there, I was like, "Oh, this is strange," because now we've got to the point that we don't normally get in a horror movie where we've got all of our supporting cast in the final scene, and actually. Now I've seen them for so long, I kind of love them all. Mm. And like, and I was like, and it is shocking when they kill them. Yeah, I was like the the um, what, what was it? Kate and yeah. Josh was it? The, uh, Kate the and uh, Simon are the are the um. Josh is is Dina's brother. Yeah, exactly. Josh yeah. Josh is the one who has a thing with Kate. Yeah. And like when they had their little moment and started to have their glimpse of a relationship, I'm like, oh, you fuckers. <laughs> i'm like don't and then like yeah i i thought i thought kate's death was 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 brutal was just um and and unexpected mm. you know when when we got that kind of bread making machine and kind of like it switched on i was like no someone's <laughs> gonna save her you know there, there's like multiple people in this supermarket that are that are all working together some you know uh josh or whoever's gonna come across and just push the killer out the way and when she just got taken through that slicer it really hit me and um you know characters really do get knocked off a hell of a lot in that finale and it was just it was phonetic and and because it was so phonetic i kind of felt like yeah i didn't know who was going to make it out of there i really didn't like i thought they they could all get taken out here i really don't know who's going to make it through and and it made for a really fun finale definitely that that moment was incredible like that was Mm. the standout kill it was one of the best kills we've seen this year and it was like visually crazy but then also yeah i was not expecting her to die in that scene i'll be honest like i thought there was i thought josh and 
uh is it si- yeah simon i simon, thought they were yeah. both gonna be dying before Katie. um yeah. so i was kind of like i was very shocked in that moment actually and and i just thought yeah that hit all all of the beats that i'd want in a slasher movie um but to go back to your point about how there is that big lull obviously without the character deaths like mm. i feel like that is a trend and i want to put the question to you whether whether or not we are conditioned <laughs> mostly through scream i guess of that very and again like it is almost by the numbers in some ways even though it is great obviously but like that was the thing with slashers where it'd be like yeah. every 15 to 20 minutes someone has to die it's... and you can't go a long time whereas i think recently with like happy death day and even freaky mm. has long spells as well and a lot of slashers i always think that now where you get to the end and there's like a 90% of your cast is still alive and I, I yeah, I'm like, like I is that a, a problem I feel like I just have a bloodlust that, that I like oh, I, I worry the, about I feel the same way but I'm, I'm saying to you do you think that is a is that a I, problem with us or is that like I really you... don't know I think it's a really good question because I think you know like look at um Scream for example or Scream 2 is even better where you just you get introduced to your main cast but then every 10 or 15 minutes or so, someone that was in the background gets a scene where they get killed. Well, that's, and, the, that's know, in all four the, screen movies. It's the same. Yeah, pretty much. But I'm thinking like specifically of like Sarah Michelle Gellar in like part two, where it's like mm. Cece just kind of like is there a little bit. And then she has her whole montage. She has her Drew Barrymore moment. And then that kind of moves on. And you kind of, yeah. And like you get that with multiple characters through the franchise. And it's kind of like they're not killing off the main characters. You know, they're not killing off the boyfriend or the best friend or whatever until the final acts. But but you're getting these secondary and, and third level characters that you some characters you haven't even met. And like you literally will just cut to someone picking up a phone. You know, like, well, they're fucked. Mm. But you kind of like that's part of the ride and part of the fun. And it's part of what I love of those movies. And yeah, the the modern take on Slasher is more this is your core cast and when we're focusing on them the killers focusing on them as well um and i think that's that's where these movies probably have been that they're although scream has always comes back as being very personal the whole crux of the movies pretty much throughout is that the killer is just killing pretty much anyone especially mm. in part one and two um you know it's only really three that it's very focused on the the, the cast of, of the, the film and, and the main people, whereas the other movies are really just killing whoever until they get to the finale. And I think kind of, um, you know, that trend of, you know, like we just saw the trailer of Michael Myers, you know, of Halloween and Michael Myers. And, and we spoke about that, how that just looks like he's going into random people's houses and just, just killing people, Yeah, you know, and, and that kind of senseless kind of murder and violence, I think is gone from the slasher movie in recent years. And it's much more of a, oh no, this person's got a vendetta against you. You've activated a curse, like in this movie. You have you have done something to bring this on you and it is more of a personal journey. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with it overall, but, but as I'm watching these movies, my old kind of tropes do come into play where I want that body count and I kind of, I, I start to get like, man, I've had, I've had like half an hour of that kill here. What's going on? 
<laughs> I am as well, and I'm going to try not to because I I yeah. don't think it would work in this movie to have that no. as the kind of body count. And I do think that it takes you know the scream sequels. Obviously, it's different because they are who done it. But essentially, in those movies, what you're doing is for all of the scream sequels up until this point, the killer or killers have been a new character introduced in that film. And mm. so, what you're doing when by killing off a secondary character every 20 minutes is you're essentially eliminating a suspect and that's pretty much what all of those movies formula follows the free sequels um and i do think that that is kind of like you've seen that so much now where i wonder if that's going to be i know we're going a little bit off but i will take it back to this movie but i wonder if that'll be what they do in scream 5 where they're like because we already know there's going to be like eight new characters and i wonder if every 20 minutes one of those new eight characters will get killed off and then eventually the killer will be revealed to be just one of the four that are left at that point um because that is very formulaic but to get it back to this movie like I like that it is just it's a very specific story right where they they're in a shithole place anyway in terms of like it's an unlucky place to be um but it's weird that like everyone just seems to think it's coincidence like oh yeah a bunch of fucked up shit just seems to happen here which i guess is it's very it in so many ways i love it um but then also the fact that they like the funny scene after the football game um, was great. And then like throwing the drink where I was like, you're a psychopath. Like, <laughs> like Dina should probably go to, to prison for like manslaughter um, or at least <laughs> attempted murder because it was just, it was ridiculous. I was like, you are literally going to kill someone. Like you think this is like a ha ha prank, but like, mm. you've got this giant bucket of whatever it, you're waiting well, to cause a crash. Like it's not yeah, it was correct. mental. Like, I was like, the, when it went wrong, I was like, yeah, serves you right. Um, and but it then ne- the it would that, never have gone right. <laughs> no, it went about as right as it could have. And um, and then obviously the fact that they crash and disturb the witch's bones, and that's kind of like the crux for the movie mm. is is pretty brilliant. But I like that it is. It's very much centered around them. There are other characters. There is police and mm. stuff. But like the witch and her group of killers that she's brought literally just want sam um and i i think that's a really interesting thing like i think when you get to the school and they have that when they create the bait essentially um Mm -hmm. and you like i don't i do think there is a little bit of jeopardy lost there by having the killers straight up just walk past the other people Mm -hmm. um to go to the bait because i was kind of like well, that's just took all the type of, of jeopardy and drama away from these other characters uh, who aren't Sam. And mm. I get that they then kind of basically go back on that later on by what, just putting blood on their t-shirts. And now suddenly the killers want to kill them. Like it's a bit stupid, but, um, and then that sequence when they blow them up and they essentially T 1000 back together. Um, mm. that's like a really <laughs> cool moment in terms of storytelling, but like visually it's definitely the worst part of the movie. Yeah. Um, because it's just a, it's just a poor effect and it's kind of like, I, yeah, like I get it. You could never do this practically. And then like, it's about as good as I can expect from a, from a Netflix show in terms of effects. So I didn't hate it, but it did take me out of it a little bit there where I was like, everything else consistently about this movie is at a very high quality. And that was mm-hmm. very TV standard effect. Um, but yeah, I guess going into the finale, like obviously, so what happens? Like we both, a lot of the characters are dead. Um, so that yeah. they, Oh yeah, that was it. They, so they come up with the idea that like, you need to die to kind of, to survive this. Curse. Yeah. You've got a final destination, this shit, which it's really interesting the way it's portrayed in this movie. And I wonder if this is where they get a lot of their age rating because mm. they come up with the genius idea of taking a drug overdose. 
And I was like, man, this is fucking wild in a Netflix movie because like mm. they like they hate to have any sort of bad press and having like a, a, a essentially a bunch of um, high schoolers talking about taking drug mm. overdoses. I was like, mm. man, this is edgy for Netflix and mm. could easily be misconstrued. So I was very surprised that that was just like a plot device essentially you know this isn't a film about drug abuse by any means it is literally just a plot device of like well i want to kill myself so you know take this drug and you die and then we'll we'll give you that drug and you live and it's like i don't think it's that simple and you're there's going to be a lot of impressionable people watch this movie that yeah. might take something from that so that was an interesting topic um but um so what what happens we kind of essentially the the story gets resolved and we end up mm. with was it sam dina and josh essentially like the, yeah. the survivors yeah they've, they've survived and and it seems like everything is okay yeah and it's like it, like i pretty much thought the movie was done at that point i was like mm. oh, okay they've like done it and then obviously knowing that part two is 1978 like i at this point in the story i didn't know what was going on because obviously we've seen these hints in that but i'm like are they really just gonna then show us a similar story in 1978 like is that going to be interesting so these were already thoughts mm. going from my, my mind and then when we get like the phone call and then like the witch takes over sam and she stabs dina like i couldn't believe it like i yeah. was so shocked because i was like oh wait like these characters probably aren't going to be in any of the movies so she's probably gonna stab dina and then obviously they'd already set up the whole josh on his computer with the bedsheet over his head and mm. i was fully expecting him to just get knifed in just the head through the bedsheet yeah, yeah, yeah. and then her to just like slit her throat and that's the end of the movie and i was just gonna be like oh my god if they just kill these people like i'm actually invested i'm gonna be heartbroken and so like when she stabbed dina i was genuinely like shocked i couldn't believe it and then obviously they they pull back from that the initial shock of the stabbing is the craziest part because she seems to like overwhelm sam quite easily mm. um i can't remember exactly what happens but then we cut she, to kind of sam tied up in a telephone cord. <laughs> but do we see that like how yeah. did how did she oh, overpower her she's just like way stronger than sam apparently yeah. even, um, even when she's been like i thought fatally stabbed yeah exactly so then it's just kind of like, oh no dean is seemingly fine josh is unharmed and then sam is basically possessed and that's basically yeah. how we end the movie of like well we know that there was a survivor from 1978 who can help us in some mm. way i guess maybe and that's it and i was like that's phenomenal because i didn't think this story would continue mm. I didn't expect Dina and Josh and Sam to be in the next film or the one after that. You know, I fully expected three separate casts for the three different movies. Um, and um, and they have to be in it going forward, obviously, because this is like a huge cliffhanger. So now I'm like, man, what is going to happen? Like, because you, you kind of yeah. mentioned it earlier, but do you think it is going to be like a dual storyline? Like, do you think it's going to be the, think... the lone survivor from 1978 possibly telling her story to them? And then we have a lot of flashbacks. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be strange, isn't it? Because mm. I feel like um, the way the trilogy has been sold to us, that it's going to mostly be in 1970. Yeah. But um, I feel like it's more just going to be these little flashbacks. Like, it's going to be a lot of Dina and, and Sam trying to get to this person. And then, yeah, this person telling their story. But, like, are we really going to get, say, for example, because in my mind, I kind of thought, well, is it going to be, 10 minutes getting to her to the to the woman then an hour and a half of the the flashback in the 70s mm. and then kind of 10 more minutes kind of leading into the finale 
but mm. but like that just feels like that's far too long to be without these characters that we've just been with for a movie but yeah um that kind of felt like the the simple way that they can progress this forward and go backwards but i just don't know if they're going to do that it doesn't feel right fully but um uh, yeah i'm i'm fascinated to see for sure and um so yeah i love that ending and when it said like to be continues or mm. awesome as a small criticism the fact that the movie doesn't just end there was disappointing to me because we then get like seemingly a minute of footage from what i presume is the next movie mm. and i didn't need to see that like at that point i'm already gonna watch part two um and i, I also think yeah, it's a week away. And also Netflix are extremely aggressive with autoplaying trailers anyway. So the so the movie could have ended the second the credits start. It then does the whole thing on the app of like within 10 seconds, it will play you a recommended trailer. Yeah, anyway. no, it's so quick. To yeah. And it's so hard to just watch the credits if you want to, because um, that's normally it's, what I like to do. It's actually impossible because... Yeah. Sometimes... It's impossible on the PS5 because I know you have the same thing I do, and I bet you yeah. can't do it because I can't either. I can't, and like sometimes you're like, "Well, is there a post-credit scene?" Yeah, no, I, I don't know if that's specifically a PS5 issue, but I'm glad you brought that up because you absolutely cannot watch the credits if you want to. It's either no. auto-play the trailer, yeah. or you press no and go to credits, and then it just kicks you out, and it's like, and then and then it resumes at the start of the feature. yeah, yes, yeah, so you have to skip <laughs> through the whole film to get to the yeah, credits. I've had to do I had to do that for Army of the Dead. Yeah. I, I think I think that might have been exactly what I had to do with Army <laughs> of the Dead as well. And but, to see um, that in credit scene. So I'm like, well, you guys already are going to force the trailer on me anyway. So, like, mm. why do you have to put it literally? It's part of the film. Like, that is the, the key distinction here. The movie hasn't ended. And again, it, it all depends on what happens in part two, because mm. maybe none of that footage is in it. Um, but also, it shows what seems to be a key character getting murdered mm. because it's the girl from Stranger Things, who I'm assuming is quite a key role in, in part two. So I'm like, that was a weird choice as well. So I'm, I just. Yeah. That annoyed me but everything else about the ending i absolutely adored um yeah but yeah a great film i cannot wait for part two now like really really excited for it um only a few days away um but yeah that was our discussion of fair street part one Uh, we'll take a short break and we will be right back So, yeah, just to sort of uh, finish us off this week, um, got to talk about some Cronenberg, haven't I? Because that's my that's my new thing. That's so, thing. yeah, coming off of Scanners and Videodrome, next up was The Dead Zone, um, which was a, a definitely a different change of pace from the previous two. Um, mm. Obviously, I talked about how Videodrome had a lot of the same DNA of Scanners, but just was bigger and better in every way. And, and I liked it a hell of a lot more. Um, Dead Zone is very much taking it a step back in terms of it's a lot more story driven and a lot more of like a drama um, where it has obviously sci-fi elements and it's obviously based upon a Stephen King book, but it's it isn't that showy sci-fi horror mix that I think you kind of expect from Cronenberg. Um, yeah if so i'm guessing you haven't seen this film have you no i haven't seen this one so it's about this teacher who essentially has a he's in a car crash he's in a coma for like i think it's five years and when he comes out of it and he's kind of like slowly healing his body and getting back to normal but he's he basically has this ability where he can touch someone and he can see either the past or the future 
um right. and that's kind of like his little ability and obviously yeah you've seen that in loads of stuff um but i think that it's really interesting the way they use it here because early on it is just like uh he touches like the doctor's hand who thinks like his mother died when he's a child um mm. during uh, world war Two, but he's like no she survived like you need to call her and they, they kind of reconnect and i'm like oh, okay he's gonna use this and it obviously mm. a very Stephen King way of like it's to get those emotional beats. And this is such an emotional story because it's also the character at the start. It's like him and his girlfriend. They're like so happy together. They're going to mm. they're about to start their future together where they want to get married and all this stuff. And then obviously he has this accident comes out of the coma five years later. Well, she's already married someone else and has a child. Um, and so it's very like heartbreaking because for him, it's literally been a day, whereas for her, it's been five years. Mm. Um, and I thought all of that stuff emotionally worked super well well um but what i found really bizarre about the movie was like it doesn't have that normal direction that the previous two had where like in the first 20 minutes i guess of scanners and videodrome you know what the main goal of the film is essentially mm. whereas this was just it's a story about characters and again it, it everything about this you could so tell it was based upon a book because it was just like the classic has this world has this small town with probably i'd say 10 characters that are all named have backstories there's doctors politicians policemen teachers and you know them all and where and where their roles are in the world but you're like, what is the actual plot going to be? Do you know what I mean? Like mm. outside of just has this teacher who's dealing with this trauma and now he has this gift. And also when he uses the gift, it weakens him more. So he's basically <laughs> like he doesn't want to use it, obviously, yeah. um, because he ends up becoming a little bit of a local sensation and everyone's sending him letters of like, oh, my God, my daughter's gone missing. Like, please, can you help me? And he's like he's trying to, you know, not use this power, essentially. Um, and then there's like all these different subplots that like, they introduce basically like a local serial killer, um, like you know, the kind of like the whatever strangler um i think this mm. is set in castle rock maine and um it's nice. yeah and um it's you th i i thought that was going to be the main storyline and then that mm. just ends up being like a subplot that is resolved in the middle of the movie which was fantastic and i was like so where is this like i was like over an hour into the movie and i was like <laughs> i'm really enjoying this it's fascinating um and i'm actually really emotionally involved in him and his relationship with his ex-girlfriend but i'm like what is gonna be where this movie goes and then mm -hmm. it goes in such a bizarre way that i thought was fascinating not bizarre in like the scanners videodrome world where it's this bizarre you know um sci-fi elements but just in mm -hmm. like oh you're introducing these characters that i didn't expect them to act this way um i'm being a little bit coy because i don't want to obviously spoil it for people even though it's a very old movie um because yeah like I i'll talk about it a bit more but ultimately like i love this movie it was like you say mm -hmm. a massive change of pace from the previous two and it wasn't very cronenberg in some ways because it didn't have that body horror yeah, and kind well, of crazy guess, effects you know that king dna isn't it exactly but in terms of king adaptation like it's up there with like again so many that i love and it's it is wild just how many again as someone who's only read like a handful you know mm. probably three or four stephen king books but the amount of film and tv adaptations i've seen that i just absolutely adore yeah, that's crazy, um and even ones obviously in the last few years like carrie like i'd never seen carrie until like four years ago and loved it and then this one is just 
you never really hear people talk about the dead zone um but mm. i think it's fantastic and the ending like again similarish actually to what happened this week with the netflix movie the final 10 minutes i was gripped and i i didn't know where it was going to go who where characters were going to end up and but all i knew was that i was invested in it so strongly and it was like so satisfying where i genuinely didn't know what was going to happen until like the second before it happened and it's a pretty gut punch of a finale but it also was kind of upbeat and i love when that happens where it's equally a happy and sad ending for the characters in the story um but i loved it. it it emotionally i think was where it really really got me where i was so invested in the character um christopher walken is the lead in it who's just he's so good in this movie um and just super had me invest mm. in it. So, yeah, this was just, like I say, a different type of Cronenberg movie because I wouldn't, you know, put it in that same category as the other ones. But, like, as a movie, I loved it. It was it was fantastic. If this is one that has gone under people's radars, it's hard to recommend for the horror um, because it's, it's there's not a huge amount of horror. There is some gore in there, and it is very good, especially the subplot involving, like, the serial killer. Like, some of that stuff is pretty graphic, but it's not like videodrome levels you know the previous movie discussed which is so insane in terms of the effects and the body horror this is like a lot mm. more stripped down and i think it's fascinating as a precursor to the fly as well because obviously i've seen the fly a lot and that was what came after this movie does and, this come after rabbit as well uh yeah rabbit was before all of these ones because yeah, yeah rabbit and shivers were in the 70s um i started in the yeah. 80s which was when he had like a bit more of a budget um so i might go back to rabbit and shivers but yeah i felt like the start of the 80s was like a good uh, good point um yeah well because it's interesting because like being a fan of rabbit what you've described there is is kind of like the start of rabbit with right car crash and someone yeah, getting yeah. horribly injured and having he to come back car crashes feature heavily in his films <laughs> apparently so yeah. <laughs> i think that is a thing isn't it like he just uses that reminder he uses that as a plot device a lot um but yeah what i was saying was like this very you can totally see the through line to the fly because i think Mm. as someone who loves the fly that is the one movie that accomplishes both it has that emotional core that this movie has but then it also has the amazing body horror and sci-fi that the videodrome has because videodrome I love the horror and the sci-fi, but I didn't really give a shit about the characters. Like I enjoyed them, but I didn't, it didn't have any emotional beats. Whereas this movie, I was like so invested in their personal relationship. So, and the same with the fly, obviously, like I think that's a heartbreaking movie. Um, so so yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, like I said, the fly is next. So I don't know if I'm going to rewatch it because I I only watched it a couple of years ago. Um, but then after that is a movie called dead ringers in 1998, which again is similar ish to the dead zone. 1998. No, 1988. Oh, right. I was going to um, say. Where um, no one really talks about Dead Ringers. And again, reading no. about it, it's... It, I don't... I don't know, because I haven't seen the movie yet. But it's like, it doesn't draw me in with its plot synopsis. Um, and it doesn't sound... It doesn't sound super Cronenberg again. Mm. Like, it sounds like more of a drama. But again, I love the drama in this. So who knows? Maybe it'll surprise me. But I have to say, I reckon the book is an absolute banger. um, Because the story is just so strong and awesome. What's wild as well is they did a TV show of The Dead Zone um, not that long ago, like in the last 10 years. And it ran for like Mm. five or six seasons, um, like for a while, and then just got cancelled randomly and didn't have an ending. (laughs) Mm. So I'm like, well, I'm I'm definitely never going to watch that. 
Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd recommend this movie. It's really fun. Like I say, different type of movie. Don't go in there looking for your classic 80s horror. Um, but I, I still thoroughly enjoyed it nonetheless. And yeah, I'm just, I'm happy I did this because I am like a fully fledged Cronenberg fanboy at this point, um, mm-hmm. which I never thought I'd see the day. And I'm really happy. It's, it's cool, right? Because you, you go back and watch a lot of these movies, these old movies like we always do. But it's hard. You don't normally discover like an entire director's filmography that you no, end up vibing with. I think Cronenberg is the one guy that we both haven't really explored. And mm. like, I I'd seen a couple, but, but not, you know, like the last two that you've seen. And I'm really interested to see both of them now um, because mm. he, yeah, he's a guy like for you where I'm like, I've respected him over the years, but I've never said that I'm like a fan because I've not seen a lot of his work. And it's weird that kind of, of all of those guys, he's the only one that I have these big gaps in, unless you get really into kind of the, you know, the Italian stuff and some of that stuff, you know, the, the foreign stuff from the seventies and eighties perhaps, Mm. but like from, from the kind of, you know, the, the American kind of horror directors. Yeah. He's put, he's, he's like the only one, you know, I've seen a hell of a lot of, I should say he is, he is Canadian, but I see, I know. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, the the American movies more the 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 English speaking ones, you know, and like you know like Toby Hooper and and all of these people. I've seen like a lot of their movies, mm. um, but but yeah, some someone like him, I've seen very little of. Um, it, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because he is one of those big name directors for sure, mm. but his movies always felt even just, just a little just bit more so niche. Weird. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Because obviously, um, like he, like the fly is obviously his big breakout hit, but he never mm. had like as many breakout hits as the Romeros, the Cravens, the Carpenters. You know, it was mm. especially someone like Carpenter who's like, what is his breakout hit? He has like six of them. Um, yeah, whereas exactly. yeah, you have to go a bit more niche with it. But yeah, he's. I would definitely recommend it for sure. Um, I'm having a great time. Like I say, I'm looking forward to mm. Dead Ringers. I hope it's as good because yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't like not liked any of these yet. Like. Mm. It's really hard for me in terms of what I preferred out of this or Videodrome because Videodrome was so mental and is like a classic 80s horror. Yeah, I really want to watch Videodrome. Yeah, whereas this was just like, it's hard to watch the older movies that hit emotionally as much as this one did Mm. um, because, yeah, I just thought like the characters and everything. And like you say, I reckon I am interested in the book now where I'm like, oh, shall I go that deep in and try and seek out the book? I'm like, but this movie was great. You won't do it. No, I definitely won't. I have so many books to read. It's ridiculous. And I just don't have the time. Um, but yeah, great time. I'm going to continue watching these movies. Um, oh, yeah. Have you been watching anything else or just that Fair Street? I only watched one movie, which uh, we've spoken about a lot on this podcast already. Uh, <laughs> it's like I, a good one, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, we can talk about that. <laughs> I, I picked me up a little 4K movie. A little 4K version of A Quiet Place. Nice. Um, just because it's goddamn beautiful, and I and I want the best version of that movie. And I had the 4K version of Quiet Place 2 pre-ordered, and I was like, I can't have that sat on the shelf without 4K of Quiet Place 1, so mm. I did it. And, uh, yeah, just, just, you know, nothing, nothing uh, bad can happen when you watch A Quiet Place Part 1. You're just going to have a good time. So was that your first time watching it post-Part 2? uh yeah yeah it was um and yeah it 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 completely holds up like you know watching that and just gets me you know i think well it's exactly what you said earlier about happy death day like if i rewatch happy death day now a little part of me is like "Mm, shame that went into something that wasn't quite as good Mm. whereas yeah rewatching quiet place part one i just had a banging time and went oh i'd love like i cannot wait for part two (laughs) to rock up because yeah yeah part one and part two are are fantastic so yeah it's great and and yeah 
isn't diminished at all by part two, which is exactly what a sequel should do for its predecessor. Definitely. And I think that's a good point as well, because I do think like a lot of people get in that mindset and I totally understand it where it's like when sequels and when remakes and that come out, people get very defensive one way and they say, look, these things aren't going to harm the thing that you love. They're completely different. And whilst I fully understand that mentality, um, it's not 100 percent correct. Like you can't ignore like I can't sit here and say that I love the Saw franchise as much because of the fact that there's two movies in the franchise that I think are shite like that does affect the way i feel about it it just does and obviously again like obviously i don't look at the nightmare on elm street remake and go oh i don't like that as much now because the remake was shit but like do you know what i mean it's 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 a it's a terrible conversation to try to have because i think you know describing a saw franchise is all of the movies does saw one get worse if there's 10 shit saw movies after it you know it's that's the com you know and like i say i think i think happy death day is a great one uh, as a recent one because i think kind of you know and again not a terrible sequel but just not as good and i think kind of you know because it's a continuation of that same story and that same story then is not as good it does diminish the first movie a bit you know mm. i'm i'm less pumped of, of watching it and and you know maybe that's my own problem and and other people can get away from it where they can just watch part one but like Part of me, if I ever watched, you know, like sitting there and watching A Quiet Place this week, I'm ready for A Quiet Place 2. And I think if I was to watch Happy Death Day, I would be like, oh, I kind of want to stick on the sequel. It wasn't it wasn't a bad movie. And then it would be a lesser experience, mm. um, you know, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's a real difficult one. And I think you just, you know, you have to pick and choose your battles. Like you say, you know, I, I choose to 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 believe that there was not a nightmare on elm street remake because it makes me sleep better at night you know <laughs> i i want for i want the original freddy to haunt my dreams yeah. not that not that abomination that we had yeah i think another distinction as well is like time because happy death yeah. day literally it was the same director same everything same cast two years later mm. a quiet place the same three years later only three years later because of a pandemic it would have been two years so like we are talking about a very small time scale between the movie coming out you loving it and then immediately the sequel being greenlit and that is a difference whereas even something like don't breathe it's been five years which is a decent amount but that is still in that like that area of like uh, and obviously it's a different director so it's not again it doesn't have the same through line but happy death day is the best example and a quiet place actually they both those examples of how to do it right and how to do it obviously not great and like yeah it is very hard to be like oh i like if psycho gorman 2 comes out next year and I, and it's like i hate it that will affect how much i love one of my all-time favorite movies right now you know like it just will um the, the big the big one is scream you know yeah when scream comes out if it's great great if mm. it's terrible what does that mean for me in the scream franchise because yeah. the the screams franchise is my saw where like it's my favorite horror franchise like so what does that do like if this movie sucks like what does that do for that franchise for me 
I think um, it's obviously the cast being in it's know. difficult, but I think it's very easy to brush that under the rug. I really do. The fact that yeah. it's so long after it, and obviously no and Wes no or no Kevin. Like but... the fact that it's not those two men involved. Those two men. I are know, screen. but when you're when you're watching the movie, you don't see yeah, Wes and Kevin. You see yeah. the cast, and the cast are there. So you know, we'll see. Yeah, now. but they don't even look like him as much anymore these days. <laughs> well, some, some of them don't. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that is it. Obviously, next week, part two of Fair Street. I cannot wait. Mm. Looking forward to this. Oh, I can't wait. We do have a little bit of a um a scheduling conflict in the conflict in the coming weeks. Um, mm. I think it's relatively easy to resolve because obviously, yeah, Fair Street Part Two next week, and then hopefully we'll be as buzzed to watch Part Three. Mm. Um, but the day Part Three comes out is when the Purge comes out. Um, mm-hmm. And then the week after that is old, um, obviously M Night's new movie. So mm-hmm. it's a case of like, it depends what we do. Like I'm thinking we'll probably just do the Purge after old, um, and hope that it's in cinemas for two weeks. <laughs> um, like it should be Maybe. in cinemas for yeah, two weeks we'll because we're already going to be behind on it anyway. Um, so because yeah, I don't really want to do like two parts of Fear Street and then jump back to the cinema and just leave part three. That seems a bit, and especially like say if part two is anywhere near near as good as part one, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that to this trilogy because they deserve us to talk no, about we just it. have to see yeah what we want to watch more because mm. yeah you know as the weeks come you know we need to, we, at least we know we've got a clean run at part two definitely and like i say a good problem to have i'm never mm-hmm. going to complain about actually having stuff to talk about heaven forbid definitely. like the last three months have been a dream for me because i haven't even put thought into what we're watching for the podcast it's just been like oh yeah we're gonna watch that because it's new and mm. it looks great and most of the films have been great it's been awesome man like the last yeah. three months are really starting to save <laughs> this year definitely like look at the last oh, three yeah. months alone and we can already start to build out a list from that which is great oh well um, this is the first time for like since we started the podcast where i haven't been maintaining a top 10 since mm. we've been going i kind of stopped last year and i haven't picked it up and the other day i was sat there thinking i really need to start working on a top 10 list because <laughs> i'm gonna forget about good shit if not and that was a problem i did not have last year mm. so so yeah definitely onwards and upwards yeah like remember when we saw sound of violence not that long ago like that was a really good movie as well like there's just, there's just been so mm. many obviously like the big yeah. cinema movies were that were great as well but yeah on demand has been really good as well um but yeah that was um episode number 255 uh, thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone I never could How could I start now? Honey, I'm down It's not that I need ya Look at me now